Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the President of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Hi, Bill, welcome back. Ah, hi, Bobby, it's good to be back as always. Well, I guess you're the one that's back. You I'm the one that's back. I, yeah, I was in lovely Hawaii. We got to speak while I was there, but then I was traveling so we couldn't meet. So it's great to be able to talk to you again. Indeed, it's always a pleasure. And we have some uh, more news that just came out, some changes with the pandemic. The CDC issued some new masking guidelines, which has been all in the news. I'm sure our listeners have seen it, but it's interesting. I think we are, at least for the time being, scaling back a bit in areas where there's lower risk and starting to plan ahead to where perhaps we will go from pandemic to endemic for COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the hope, but I mean, we're still dealing with the fact that we're adapting to a rapidly changing situation still two plus mm-hmm. years into this appearance of this virus in mankind. So, may, I mean, maybe, uh, and, and trying to find meaningful measures that actually guide public policy mm-hmm. and public health decisions, you know, so I think maybe you could just kind of talk through a little bit from your perspective as an infectious disease specialist and new masking recommendations from CDC. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, I'll just comment on what you said, that we are looking at this, but we're not there yet. So we don't want people to just say, oh, the pandemic's over, although we all wish it was, and just relax all the guidelines. But you're correct in that the CDC is taking a more tailored approach to how to use things like masking to protect people from COVID. So the latest guidelines that I'm sure you know, and many of our listeners probably know, now is the masking recommendations are based on the community's COVID-19 level. And it's broken down into low, medium, or high. And a community is ranked as low, medium, or high based on three pieces of data. New hospitalizations for COVID-19, current hospital beds occupied by COVID-19 patients or just overall hospital capacity. And then number three is new COVID cases. And then communities can also use additional measures if they have like uh, results of wastewater testing for SARS-CoV-2 or if they can look at their workforce. Some places have been really hit hard. They don't have a lot of workers. They could use that and take that into account when categorizing themselves as low, medium, or high. So based on all of that, though, the metrics at the low level show that there's probably limited impact on the healthcare system from COVID-19, and masking is optional. People should stay up to date on their vaccines, of course, test if they're sick, but there are no widespread guidelines for masking. Medium level is similar, more recommendations if you have pre-existing condition that might put you at risk, but still it's optional to wear a mask. It's really only at the high level with the COVID-19 risk where the CDC recommends that everyone wear a mask indoors, in public, including in schools. Now, of course, other institutions can make their own roles. I'm sure in healthcare, whether it's low, medium, or high, we'll probably be wearing masks for a while. 
Yeah, no, that's right. And I think it's a couple of things come to mind. And that is as different as things feel for people, the reality is we're still trying to manage this virus the way we have since its onset. And that is to avoid hospitals and healthcare systems getting overwhelmed with COVID-19 cases. That's really what we've been trying to avoid. Now, in the early days of the pandemic, there was a very much a one-to-one -one correlation. We, you know, we knew the virus, there was very limited immunity in most communities, and therefore we could really track well as cases went up, hospitalizations went up. Now we're seeing some changes as people have been vaccinated, as people have become immune, as the virus itself changes in terms of its virulence. And so that's why the focus is now really on hospitalizations and hospital capacity as it always has been. But to your point, trying to make it more tailored so that we can move hopefully towards the endemic phase of the virus, but also be prepared if we do see increases in cases. You know, I think the new guidelines are meant to have some flexibility and adaptability based on the current situation. And it's important for everyone to remember that these are public health recommendations, clearly individual perceptions of risk and how individuals want to mask and protect themselves will be something that people will have to decide. Because I know I've heard from people on social media that in parts of the country that are considered low risk with less masking, they're feeling uncomfortable. A person can still choose to wear a mask and if they really want to be protected, wear an N95. I think that's going to be kind of where we're at for a while. Yeah, I actually just returned from Tampa, Florida, where I was at a, another meeting, and I was pleased to see that there, first of all, everyone was wearing a mask, you're required to by the airlines and in the airports, but there were some people that went above and beyond, and, and clearly there, that was either their personal preference or perhaps are immunocompromised, they need medically to have that higher layer of protection, but I saw a lot of people with N95 masks. I saw a few people wearing face shields or goggles as well. So I think it really, it's, I think the good thing is that people can feel free to tailor their own precautions based on their own preference and needs. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And people should certainly feel free to do so. And I think we're, to your mm -hmm. point, it's particular settings like in healthcare, we're going to be masking and using PPE for some time. So it's just some people want to, particularly if they have particular risks associated with COVID. But it does raise the question, what does endemic look like? I think that's yeah. the question a lot of people are asking now. So what are your thoughts on that one? Well, it's, it's hard to predict. Of course, we're still in the pandemic stage and pandemic in and of itself means basically it's unpredictable, world, widespread of a pathogen. So we're in that stage right now, but we are in this stage where we could start looking forward to seeing what endemic might look like, which means, of course, that it hasn't gone away, but that it's more predictable, that there's a more manageable level of risk. My personal thought is that it will become endemic and it will be something that we see every year that all the laboratories will need to continue to test for SARS-CoV-2, that they'll probably be individual tests, but more likely small panels where you test for influenza A and B and RSV and SARS-CoV-2, depending on how serious of a pathogen it continues to be. I do want to mention, though, from the endemic stage that we have to think about influenza is endemic, and yet it can still kill up to 52,000 Americans every year. So endemic doesn't mean no risk, and we can't forget that, but it does mean more manageable risk. Yeah, I think that's right. And we've talked about this before, too. And just like there's some areas of the globe you travel to that have endemic diseases that you have to be vaccinated for before you travel, right? Mm -hmm. So endemic doesn't mean benign or no risk, to your point. It just means a managed risk, I think. Yes. Um, the other thing that is maybe for future conversations, there's the endemic and the endemic phase. 
Then there's also the public health emergency. And I think that's what we're going to start to hear a lot of discussion around here over the second two thirds of the year really is what we're getting into is when does the public health emergency end and what does that mean? Because that will have big ramifications for what tests people can get, what vaccines people can get, uh, all sorts of things. And, and not to mention other healthcare services like working remotely in the laboratory without a CLIA license. There's been a lot of things that have been allowed because of the public health emergency that when that expires will have big impact, including who's eligible for Medicare and all sorts of things. Yeah, we should really talk about that in a future session because I agree that's a really complicated area because once the public health emergency is downgraded or uh, goes away, all of those tests that have that emergency use authorization, that EUA status, they go away and they then have to submit for full FDA clearance or approval. And that could be a long, lengthy, expensive process. Some may choose not to go through it. Meanwhile, there may not be tests available. I don't think the FDA wants that situation, so they're gonna manage this carefully. I know from previous emergencies that some of them have still continued. For example, Zika virus, the emergency hasn't lifted yet. And so the Zika virus PCR we use in my laboratory still has EUA status. Yeah, there has to be a way to downgrade the emergency without losing all your testing capabilities, which would put patients at risk. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. And as you were speaking, made me think of a comment I heard by some, someone actually with a military background saying that actually it's a lot more work to stand down from a crisis than it is to stand up to one. And I think that's what we're going to be dealing with here, hopefully, over the second half of this year. So uh, we'll have a whole different set of issues to talk about. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to them. Yeah, me too. It'll be great. So, well, it'll be an interesting discussion. It'll be interesting. And it'll be, and it'll be great if we are at a point where we're actually standing down some of these measures, for sure. Yeah. We'll look back on this and say, oh, they were thinking of all the right things. I, you know, none of us can really predict what's going to happen. So we'll just keep updating as we have more information. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, it's great talking to you as always, Bill. Yep. And until next week. Until next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.